God's word for our consideration this morning uh, is a few verses from the first chapter of the Revelation to St. John, uh, beginning at verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is coming, and from the seven spirits that are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood, and made us a kingdom and priests to God his Father. To him be the glory and power forever. Amen. Look, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God the one who is and who was and who is coming, the Almighty. The word of the Lord, let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So many people in our world today seem to be living for the moment, living for today. They say, I don't really care about what it might mean five years from now or ten years from now. I only care what it's going to do for me right now. We can see it in people all around us. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can see it in ourselves as well. Take some of the attitudes that you might have seen on display in the past few days following our recent uh, national elections. Uh, there are people who apparently said, at least by their actions, I want my candidate to win this election, so I'm willing to do whatever is needed, uh, including lying and cheating if that's what it takes. We'll just keep lying or cheating uh, until our side wins. Now, I wouldn't pretend that uh, cheating on elections or lying about your opponent in politics is anything new. And I can't prove it's any worse now than it's ever been in the past. But it certainly is an example of people living for the moment, doing whatever is necessary uh, to get the outcome they want right now without much thought about what effect it will have down the road. There's plenty of other evidence that Americans today uh, have no patience for the long haul that we're living for today. Although we are one of the wealthiest uh, societies in the world and probably in history, in the history of the world, uh, most of us haven't saved all that much money. Americans on average, we are told, spend about 95% of all the money we get and save only about 5% of that. We're addicted to instant gratification of whatever desire we might feel at the moment. We can't wait anymore for mealtimes to come around uh, because we might feel hungry right now. And so we eat and drink in our cars as we're driving down the road or at our desks as we're working or in our chairs as we're spending leisure time. We can't wait for marriage anymore to uh, engage in sexual activity. It's too hard to deny ourselves that 
uh, pleasure. And so last year in the United States, according to statistics, four out of 10 babies were born outside of marriage. 40% of births in our country were uh, illegitimate, outside of wedlock. People demand all kinds of rights and privileges for themselves and for others, even if those things may not be good for them or good for society as a whole. Uh, think of the push over the past decade or so for uh, legalized homosexual marriage. Uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, most people would have said, in the United States, we'll never have a marriage between two people of the same sex. And yet today, in all 50 states, uh, gay marriage and gay adoption are fully legal. Gay marriage is here to stay whether we like it or not, whether it's good for the institution of marriage or not, because people were for willing to forget about the long-term ramifications and live for today. Well, you get the point. Sinful people like us, living in a sinful world, think living for today is where it's at. Jesus, though, comes to us and tells us that everything about this present world is an illusion, a shadow. It isn't going to last. The lasting reality is in the world to come, in, in heaven, where we will have true and lasting gratification of the desires that God has put into the pure heart that he created in each one of us by faith in Jesus. And that's why Jesus, our soon-to-be-returning king, encourages us on this final Sunday of another church year, don't live for today. Instead, live for tomorrow. On the basis of St. John's words here in, uh, in chapter 1 of his revelation, uh, I hope today to help you think through not only why we want to live for tomorrow, but also what we should be doing as we await Jesus' return as we live for tomorrow. And so, why, why are we living for tomorrow? Maybe the way to get at that question is to, is to consider the flip side of that. Why not just live for today? Why not join the millions of people who can't begin to focus on next week or next year, let alone eternity, and uh, the end of the world. Why not just live for today, enjoy the pleasures of life as much as you can? Why not take all you can get while you can get it for as long as you can get it? Well, the answer to that is surprisingly simple, because God has opened our eyes to see what really lasts, what really matters, what really has value in this world. And what he has shown us is the pleasures, the, the delights, the experience of, experiences of this world are only temporary diversions. What really is permanent is our connection to the God who is and who was and who is to come, to use the Lord's own words from our uh, sermon text. What really has value is our relationship to the God who loved us enough to clothe himself in our skin and walk in our shoes, all so that we can go with him one day to a place of real value and permanent peace. What is really worth focusing on in this world is not the temporary uh, good feeling that we might get from the pleasures of the flesh, but rather from 
the permanent joy we have in the one who loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, to use St. John's words. By God's grace, we have come to know how much Jesus loved us, enough to make an investment in each one of us. Jesus invested his own blood in you and me. He came into this world because he saw that we were in chains, slaves to our own appetites and lusts. He knew we were addicted to the adrenaline rush that we get from exciting and pleasurable experiences that ultimately have no real value. He knew that we were headed for an eternity cut off from God, cut off from all the blessings he wants to give us, and Jesus didn't want that to happen to you and me. He loves us too much to let us cut ourselves off from everything good forever. And that's why he took on human flesh and blood, to take our place, to live under the law in our place as our substitute and get it right where we always get it wrong. And then the God-man stepped forward and uh, paid our fine, served our sentence, if you will, so we could go free. That payment cost Jesus everything. Since the wages of sin is death, it cost him his life as he poured out his lifeblood on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. But he was willing to do it if it meant rescuing us from a hopeless future and uh, from slavery to our own selfish, sinful appetites that would eventually lead us to destroy ourselves. That's how much Jesus loves us. Enough to spill his own blood to set us free from the addictive power of sin. Not only has Jesus loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood, St. John also reminds us that Jesus made it possible for us to share in his power and his rule. John tells us he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. As King Arthur shared his kingdom and his food with the knights who gathered around his round table with him. So Jesus shares his kingdom and his food with you and me as we gather together around his table, around his feast each week and come to receive his body and blood given and shared for our forgiveness. Christ our King lets us have a part in bringing God's gracious rule into the lives, into the hearts of other people as we speak the gospel. And he allows us to serve, as he served, as holy priests of God, able to share what we know about God and about Jesus with others and able to bring Jesus into the lives uh, of other people where they are so that they too can become a part of his kingdom. Jesus has made us his kingdom, his holy priests, his family, if you will. He has honored us beyond we, what we can imagine. Now that our sins have been taken out of the way, there is nothing that keeps us from being heirs uh, of all of God's eternal blessings. That's why we are living for tomorrow, eager to fully inherit all of the blessings of heaven that can't possibly be replicated here on earth. 
There's nothing in this present sinful world that can begin to compare with the blessings of eternity. So the more pressing question really we should be asking ourselves is what should we as the people of God be doing today while we're waiting for Christ our King to come again? Is it like going to a service counter at Target or Kohl's, pulling a little number from the, uh, from the dispenser and then waiting uh, in line for our number to be called? That's kind of the way some people look at uh, their time in this world from the time they come to faith in Jesus until they're called home to heaven. They think of it a little bit like getting a number and waiting to be called. Did we each get a number on the day we were baptized? And now we're just standing around waiting for our number to be called so we can go to heaven? Is that how it works? God never intended us to think of it that way. God didn't call you to believe in Jesus just to put you on hold for a lifetime, just to get, give you a number and say, we'll see you at the end of the line. He made you a vital part of his kingdom. One of his royal priests, Jesus tells us, specifically to serve his God and Father, John says. A priest, remember, is a go-between. He brings the needs of the people to God and he brings the grace and the word of God to the people. As priests of God, we are the vital link between uh, God and his mercy and all of the unbelievers in this world who do not yet know him. We are the link that allows them to know God as we know him, as a loving, forgiving Savior through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so our responsibility as holy priests is to help extend God's kingdom uh, by bringing the king into the lives of those around us. It's our precious privilege to share with his people uh, and share with the people we know and meet in our lives God's promise to make something worthwhile out of even the most messed up and mistake-filled lives just as he did with ours. What I'm saying is becoming a believer in Jesus was not our final purpose in this world. Serving as royal priests and bringing others into the kingdom of God is. So how can we be content just to take care of our own faith, just to come to church once a week or once a month, and just to put in our time until our number is, is called? Won't we rather use every opportunity before us, every opportunity God gives us to bring the king that we are so anxiously awaiting into the lives of the people we live with, we work with, we spend time with, and as we share the love of Jesus with the people in our lives, we'll direct all glory to God, of course. We might be tempted once in a while to, uh, to want to claim some credit for ourselves, to say, well, here I am, giving up some of the pleasures of this world that I see other people partaking in, so that I can wait for Jesus, I can focus on him, here I am trying to share the love of Jesus with people in this world, in my life. Shouldn't I get some kind of credit for that? Shouldn't I get some recognition? But God's love has a way of adjusting our perspective. 
John reminds us uh, of why God gets the glory uh, in these words from chapter 1 of Revelation. To him who loves us, to him who has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. God gets all the glory for what we are and for where we are, waiting for Jesus who is coming on the clouds any day now. His sacrificial love got us here and his love will bring Jesus back to us to take us to that new heaven and new earth that even now he is preparing for us. And that's why we are able to say no to uh, living only for today and instead set our hearts over the horizon on tomorrow, on the blessings that God will give us in heaven. And that's why as we wait for our king to return, we'll make every effort to bring his kingdom into the lives, to the hearts of everyone whom God might call and to extend to them what St. John here in Revelation promises to every believer in Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. There's no better reason to live for tomorrow. Amen.